you would please stand with me at the reading of God's Word. The Lord Jesus in these letters is walking among His churches, and He sees how each one of these churches need to grow in their service of Him. And so what He does is He sends them a letter to equip them. And the way that He equips them for what they need to do is He gives them a vision of who He really is, something about Himself that they may be inclined to forget, that they need to focus upon. And He also holds out for them a reward if they will live light of who So, let's read this letter to Thyatira. It's also written to our church. Verse 18 of chapter 2. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am He who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Beloved, this is the word of the living and reigning Lord Jesus. It is true. And the Spirit is speaking this to us this morning because he loves us. You may be seated. Point number one, verse 18, we see Christ, the searching Son of wrath. Verse 18 is not like the painting we might see of the 
fair featured, meek and mild Jesus. You know, the one where he's cradling and petting a lamb with his little pinky. That is not the way that he reveals himself to us this morning. If we will see Jesus for who he is in this letter, and we need to see him for who he is in this letter because how he reveals himself in this letter is is the key to understanding what he is calling that church and our church too. To see him this way, the way that he revealed himself to the prophet Daniel. If we saw him the way Daniel did, we would respond the way that Daniel did. If we saw him the way that he presented himself in the very same way to the Apostle John back in chapter 1 as one who has eyes like a flame of fire and feet with burnished bronze, we would respond to Jesus the way that John responded to Jesus. He has eyes like fire. Fire exposes things that you hide. Things done in secret. He sees eyes like fire. He sees evil and will purge evil. He has feet, this king. And everyone knows in John's day what kings do with their feet. They crush the heads of their enemies. And this king's feet are solid metal. And when Daniel saw him, All of his strength left him. And when John in chapter 1 saw him, he fell down as though dead. In other words, when you see Jesus this way, everyone who sees him this way is rightly filled with fear. That's the way he's presenting himself. For us to be able to hear what he's saying to that church. For us to be able to hear what he says to this church. There is another passage of the Old Testament that explains the mindset of the Lord Jesus whenever he's writing to Thyatira, and that passage is Psalm chapter 2. And in that psalm, if you remember, the whole world is seeking and conspiring to overthrow God's king. The whole world is gathered together to throw off the king of God. They don't want to be ruled by Him. And God says in that psalm to the son of King David, He says, you are my son. You are the son of God. And you will break your enemies with a rod of iron. Why is it made of iron? To crush His enemies. That's what God says to His Son, the King. And Jesus comes to us in verse 18 and says, Hear the words of the Son of God, who has eyes that are flaming like fire, who has feet that are burnished bronze. In other words, this is a letter from the judge. The vision Jesus gives to motivate this church to serve Him faithfully is that He is the searching eyes flame of fire 
son of wrath. And what he communicates to us in this letter is that the church of God's son shall not tolerate the seduction of the servants. Here's the message, the gospel truth of this letter. The church of God's son shall not tolerate the seduction of the servants. Number two is Jesus' confrontation in verses 19 through 21. His confrontation of this church. He confronts them for their seduction, for being seduced. But before he confronts uh, this church, notice in verse 19, he commends this church for their exceeding works. He sees them and he knows them and he says, you are serving me as Lord. You are loving, you are believing me, you are patiently enduring evil in all these ways. You are honoring me as the king. And, and he says, you are actually getting better at doing this. You're, you're living like I am Lord in increasing ways. But the majority of what he says is not commendation. It is confrontation. And so he confronts them in verses 20 and 21 for their toleration. It is a confrontation with their toleration. What kind of church do you want? So many want a tolerant church. And Jesus says, you, I have this against you, that you tolerate certain things you should not tolerate. A seductress, a seductress is a member of of the church in Thyatira. It says that she calls herself a prophetess. So she's come into the church and she's telling everybody, I speak for God. God speaks to me and you can listen to me and know what God wants. But according to the Son of God, right after she calls herself the prophetess, he says that she fails the test that God has given for what true prophets are. Back in Deuteronomy, he says that her teaching, what it leads people to, is away from God. Her teaching leads them away from Jesus as King to sexual immorality and idolatry that they're tolerating and they shouldn't. He says, what this amounts to in your tolerant church is my servants. I have all authority. I am to be honored above everyone else. Psalm 2 says, Kiss the Son, lest He be angry with you, and His wrath is quickly kindled. He'll crush you. And this woman that you're tolerating is seducing my servants away from serving me alone, serving other gods in my name, serving me in impurity. Thyatira was especially filled with industry. So this was a city that had lots of trade guilds. If you wanted to work with linen or if you came from a family that was dyeing clothing or, or, or uh, worked with leather, there was all kinds of trades out there. But every one of those trades, if you were in whatever kind of business, every one of those trades had a special god that they would worship in order to gain that God's um, favor so that He would bless their business and, and make them fruitful and rich. 
And so what they would do is they would hold these regular feasts to their God. It was part of work. It was part of your employment. You would just go to these feasts and you would eat food that was sacrificed to this God. And then after you were done eating, you would try to arouse that God to send out blessings. And they would do that by committing sexual immorality together. And evidently, there's a member of this church in Thyatira who's telling believers that God told her that it's okay for them to participate in this, that He's not actually mad at them if they, if they do this. Because God, you see, He's so understanding. I'm here to tell you, you may have heard about the holiness of God. You may have heard about the judgment of Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, I've got a word from God that He would not like you to be shunned by your parents who are in that business if you turn away from those kinds of actions. He would, God is not the kind of God who wants you not to be able to provide for your family if you get fired for not participating in those meals, those actions. Jesus hears that and He calls her Jezebel. Jezebel. He sees her and He's thinking of that foreign princess back in the Old Testament who came and seduced that king we read about earlier. He seduced, she seduced Ahab to build inside of Israel. Here's the point. To build inside of Israel, God's land, in His presence, a shrine to Baal and, and to serve Asherah. And it says that she and King Ahab provoked the Lord to anger. Here is what Jesus is saying to us. That seduction from Him starts with surrender of His truth. Seduction away from the Son. What will take you away from the Son is when anyone starts surrendering what He has clearly said in His Word. I love that passage we read because everything happens according to what God has said. Don't surrender a word. You shall have no other gods before Me. That's word number one. No gods in your life should you worship only Me. And in the Old Testament, you don't marry any foreign wives because they will seduce you to worship their gods. Ahab heard it and he didn't do it. He strayed from and surrendered some of God's Word and he was seduced away from the Lord. And you read what happened. United Church of Canada United Church of Canada refused recently to fire a female pastor, even a female pastor, even though she openly denies that God exists. And the statement that that congregation or that denomination of churches came out with to defend their, their reason for not firing one of their pastors who denies that God even exists is we can as a people still believe in God even if our churches can be are taught not to believe in God. And they, they explained that they did a cost-benefit analysis. 
What will it cost us if we take this stand this way? What will it benefit us? And the cost was too great. They said it would not be worth fighting the changing standards of the world. Beloved, the searching sun of wrath is full of mercy. I want you to see His mercy. Is that what you see in verse 21? When you look at verse 21, do you see how merciful our King is? He calls His enemies to turn from their rebellion against Him. He calls them to do it. That implies mercy. That they, if they will turn, He will protect them and not judge them. He doesn't immediately condemn those who deserve condemnation. What kind of king is this? Who does not lash out but gives rebels time to repent. If you were in Sunday school, here's a pitch for Sunday school. I'll give you a little extra tidbit. I wonder if in 1 Samuel... Today, okay. 1 Samuel 15. I wonder if this was, this was something you meditated upon. That when the prophet of God stands over King Ahab and hacks him to death. Did you see mercy? Did you know that the reason why God gave that severe judgment is because hundreds of years before, the people of Amalek tried to stop God from saving he said, I'm going to judge you. But he gave him hundreds of years to turn. He is merciful and he is just. And she, Jesus says, has not repented. She has refused in the time that he has given to repent. She's refused to turn away from seducing his Servants, And he says, church, I have this against you that you are still tolerating her. The time is up for toleration. You should excommunicate her. You should remove her from the teaching post. You should remove her in your affirmation that she's a Christian when she does these things. Seduction starts with surrender. Seduction starts with swaying from Scripture in favor of what the world thinks is right. I wonder if this seems right. Jesus says to the church, do not surrender to the world's ways. Don't you remember from Psalm 2 that the world is warring against me? And I'm going to win that war. So what side are you going to be on? The church of God's Son shall not tolerate the seduction of His servant. Point number three is Jesus' call to this church in verses 22 through 25. And I want you to see that in verses 22 through really 26, it's very clear that He's calling them to intolerance. Jesus is the just judge and he will be the justified judge. Listen to what I mean in verse 23. All 
the churches. After he says, I'm going to strike her children dead, right after that, he says, all the churches are going to see me do that. And they're going to know, I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. How is it that Jesus will be justified by his own people who see his severe and final judgment of people? How is it that they will say, you have done right? Because of the vision of who he is. You see the connection. It's because his fiery eyes are going to inflame what was hidden to our eyes and his judgment is going to perfectly fit their rebellion. Just like with Jezebel and Ahab. Whenever Jezebel seduced Ahab to kill a righteous man and the dogs came around and licked up that righteous man's blood. God saw it. And He promised that dogs are going to come and eat Jezebel's body. If that's what you did, this is what I'm going to do. And it When Ahab, her husband, the king of Israel in that passage we heard. When he sought to disguise himself, he's going into battle, he doesn't want to be seen as the king. Because the enemy's just aiming for the king. No, no one small, no one great. And he says to his friend Jehoshaphat, you ride in with your robes, your kingly robes, so they know you're king. I'm going to disguise myself so they won't attack me. What they could not see, what was hidden from their eyes, the Lord saw. And then it says, the flaming eyes of the Lord find him and then a random man randomly shoots this arrow that just happened to hit in the only spot where he was vulnerable. That was the Lord's foot coming down and then the dog licked up Ahab's blood. This woman by a tyrant used her bed to seduce Christ's servants to serve other gods. There are members of the church, Jesus says, committing adultery with her. That probably means physically. It certainly means spiritually that she's seducing them to worship other gods. And because she has not repented in the time that Jesus has given in His mercy... He will not tolerate her any longer, but what will He do on the bed that she has used? He will throw her on that same bed and afflict her with a deadly disease. And whatever members of the church do not turn away from listening to her, her children who follow her, who are sinning sexually, and participating in pagan worship, He is going to kill them as well. Whether that is physically, it's certainly spiritually. He will throw them in the second death 
or to the second death in the lake of fire. And that is ultimately final. Here is what Jesus is saying. When his flaming eyes see unfaithfulness, his bronze feet stomp. When his flaming eyes see unfaithfulness, he is telling us that his bronze feet are going to come down and stomp the unfaithful. Jesus is the just judge because what his feet give, the word is give, he's going to give to each one according to his word. What his feet give, what they respond to, perfectly matches what his eyes show. Nothing. searches all the facts. Even, he says, inside the mind and heart which is hidden to us. His eyes can see there. That means there is not a thought that you think that is secret to Jesus. That means that there is not an action that you or I do that is actually private. There is no word that is whispered that escapes His attention. There is no idolatry in our hearts that is actually hidden from His sight. That means that the Father whose harshness, who is harsh with His children because He's someone who craves honor. He worships Himself and being honored by people. Jesus sees it. That means that the wife who manipulates her husband because she craves and worships control. He sees it. That means that the child who undermines his parents to his siblings and has little whispers to his siblings undermining the authority of his parents and it's because he hates authority Jesus sees it every secret lust every wrathful heart every unforgiving spirit every self-righteous comparison we make he sees it all and he is saying to Thyatira whose top god is Apollo In Thyatira, the top God is the God of healing. Do you get it? He says to them, I'm the Son of God. You may worship the Son of Zeus. I'm the Son of God. And you may worship the God of health. But I'm going to throw the rebels on a sickbed and your gods aren't going to be there to save them from me. Psalm 2 says... The only refuge from the Son of God is taking refuge in the Son of God. What good news. There is no refuge. You can't hide anywhere from the Son of God unless you're hiding in the Son of God. Be wise. There is no God. There is no King. There is no pleasure that will stand next to you and protect you from the wrath of God's Son. But He can God's Son can save you from Himself because this pure Son of God delivered Himself over to die at the hands of sinners on the cross and what He was doing is He was absorbing all of His own wrath all of God's anger for sin and for sinners and then He was raised from the dead so that everyone who turns from hiding in their rebellion Everyone who turns from hiding in their rebellion, but instead hides from His wrath in His blood, will be blessed 
God promises. So, listen to me. He has taken note and he has the book. He knows every single way. His eyes have seen and recorded down every single way you and I have resisted him. Every way that we have treated him like he is not worthy. Every way that we have treated him like his way is not wise or right. Every way that you have lived like you want to be your own king, he knows. And if you don't kiss the son, honor the son, live for the son, he will crush you. But if you will serve in Psalm 2 with He will save you so that you can rejoice with trembling. Because you don't ever want to. Because you love him so much and now you agree with all of his ways. He will save you if you turn to your sins and trust him. Verses 24 and 25. The son calls the tolerant church to be. God has set his kingdom on the throne. And what this letter reminds us of is that the eternal rule of God's Son is being experienced now in two ways in these verses. We just saw the first one, and Christ himself afflicting his enemies. He, he punishes them and disciplines them in verses 22 and 23. But the second way his rule is supposed to be known right now is through the intolerance of the church. The intolerance with certain things. The church of God's Son shall not tolerate the seduction of His servants. Repenting from tolerating Jezebel becomes even more clear in these last verses. So look with me in verses 26 through 20. Consequence that Jesus is holding out there is that we might serve the storm. Point number four, he holds out the blessing that we might serve the storm. Let's understand what that means. The Holy Spirit of Christ, Jesus says, is speaking this not only to Thyatira, but let everyone who has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to all of the churches, he says, the one who conquers will receive a rod of iron and the morning star. Now, Jesus is not uh, like a cheerleader. Be be a conqueror. He's not saying that. It's not sugary, syrupy, sweet. It's glorious. But he is the king. He's commanding them commanding us to conquer. To conquer. To conquer what? To conquer the temptation in our hearts to be tolerant. He says that only those who keep my works, who do what I do until the end, who will do the same thing that I do in not tolerating idolatry and not tolerating sexual immorality in my church. Those people who hold that to the very end, 
I will give you the rod of iron and the morning star. God gave in Psalm 2 a rod of iron to His Son to crush them. His enemies. To crush His enemies who are plotting against Him and will not turn and honor Him. And Jesus says, look at that, in verses 26 and 27. Even as I have received authority to judge the one who conquers will rule like me. You see that? Will rule the nations with a rod of iron. And he's very clear what the church is going to do with that rod of iron. It's the same thing that he would do with a rod of iron. And the pottery guild of Thyatira would have understood this very clearly. If you take a rod of iron to pottery, it shatters it. The gift he's holding out is that we get to share in that kind of authority. And we will get the morning star. Now the morning star, like all the images in the book of Revelation, is something that comes out of the Old Testament. Numbers chapter 24. The prophecy that a king is going to rise at dawn like the morning star. A king is all of a sudden going to show up in a world of darkness and he's going to conquer that darkness like the morning star breaks at dawn and, and, and creates light where there was only darkness. He's going to conquer. The morning star is going to conquer. At the end of Revelation, Jesus says, I am the morning star and I will give you the morning star. This is the gift. I will give you myself and I won't be your judge. I will be your loving king and you will rule with me. Is that appealing? Because that is the appeal. That's the thing He's holding out to motivate us to not only be motivated because of His flaming eyes and His bronze feet, but to be motivated that we might get to rule with Him. He says twice in this letter, I will give this to some people. I will give that to other people. I will give my bronze foot to some people. I will give them share in my rule to others. Which one will you have? And this is written to a church. So here I think is where this all comes together. Jesus is saying, if you tolerate people who say they serve Christ, if you tolerate them serving other gods which is proven in their sinful lifestyle, if you tolerate that in the church now, then you will not be trusted with His rule forever. You see that? He's saying, in order for me to give you the rod of iron to rule forever in the future and to be part of judgment, judging my enemies, you've got to prove that you're trustworthy now in the church. You've got to prove that you're going to handle your authority well. You've got to prove that you won't tolerate people being led away from you. You've got to prove that you won't say that I saved people who were clearly not saved from sin because they cherish sin. They're giving themselves over to the deep things of Satan, my enemy. He says, if you can't be trusted now, you won't be trusted forever. But if you are trustworthy now, you will be trusted forever. So three things in closing. 
from this passage. Number one, aspire to this authority. Aspire, desire, want this kind of authority. There's a righteousness and a goodness to wanting this kind of authority. There's a goodness for us to want to reign with the righteous king. He only does what is right. If you're only offended by him crushing sinners, you've got bigger problems. There is something totally right and good about finally justice falling. Finally, the king of the Amalekites is crushed. Finally, all these people warring against God and his son are going to be destroyed. Finally, everything that they do, all of the influence of Satan is going to be taken away. Finally, all the wrongs of abortion and murder are going to be made right. Do you want to be part of that? Don't you want to be part of putting an end to human trafficking? For all these people who are lusting and who just want money, so they sell people. Don't you want to be part of that? Don't you want to be part of putting to an end all the injustice that even we commit against people who are unlike us? All the hatred and unforgiveness of people in churches because they don't like people who are inconvenient to them, who are a different economic class or who are a different race or who are a different gender or a different age or have a different sexual orientation and inclination, who have different social uh, 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 inclinations or weaknesses, who disagree on non-essential things and are so unloving. Don't you want to be part of making jealousy right for coming against those who are worshiping themselves and they can't be happy for other people who get what they want. Don't you want that? Don't you want to take that? Number two. If so, then now you need something. You need eyes. I mean, for us as humans who don't see things perfectly, we need the Word of God. That's how we can see what God has said. If seduction starts with surrendering the truth, the way we can see things the way God has said them is to accept everything that He says is true. So the second thing is develop discernment. You need to develop discernment. Beloved, this is a problem in our day. This is a problem in our day. If you are quoting John Piper and you are quoting Joyce Meyer, you've got a problem with discernment. If you can't see the difference, you've got to develop discernment. You don't walk into Jezebel's Bible study and she says, Today, class, we're going to learn the deep things of Satan. She doesn't say that in a Christian church. She says, This is what Christ says. Look at what Christ says in His Word. And she's off. What happens spiritually always manifests itself Physically, If someone is committing idolatry, it will show itself in a life of immorality. So, when you're invited to go to that Bible conference and they have a list of speakers, or if you're invited to do that book study, is the person who is speaking God's Word on God's behalf qualified? The answer is how do they treat His Word? I, the answer is not do they use His Word, it's how do they use His Word? I see a friend... Uh, from several years ago who I used to be in a church with who keeps spouting off all this nice sounding crap. He's saying things like, I would rather be Christ-like than biblical. What? How do we know Christ 
if not the Bible, did not Jesus say, isn't it said in Scripture, have you not read? And he did everything according to Scripture. And everything God says will be according to Scripture. Everything will be done according to Scripture. When he judges, it will perfectly match the truth of his word. Get rid of that. You think that sounds godly? It's trash. Do the people you're listening to deviate from the clear, plain meaning of Scripture? Do they justify your sin? Do they make you feel better about going on in sin? As if God has changed and now He's okay with what kind of sexual urges you have. Now He's all of a sudden progressed and affirms women pastors or gender self-identification or materialism. You need to develop, we need to develop discernment. Third and finally, we need to pursue purity. We need to pursue absolute purity among the people of Christ. When some people say, judge not lest ye be judged, Paul Washer responds this way. Judge not lest ye be judged. He says, twist not scripture lest ye be like Satan. You are misunderstanding that verse if you say that when someone says something against someone else's sin. And the city of Thyatira was sitting in this broad valley. And so they had to have Roman soldiers always there to fend off the attacks to cut that, that would come in on that city. And the church needs to be guarding its people too. The question is, are you going to guard them now? Are you going to warn them now? Are you going to leave them to face Almighty Christ later? What is better? What is more loving? It's better for them to be warned now. And the question will be for us as a church, a question that we have already faced, but we need to do this until the end. It's the one who conquers until the end. Who is his? We have faced this question. Will we tolerate unrepentant sin when it's the people who are our friends? And there have been many who have left this church because they could not do what Christ calls us to do. It is not loving to leave them to face Christ's foot. We will face this again. We will face the, the choice again. The people we know and care about, and they are refusing to turn away from sin. Are we going to value serving the Son of God over having a friendship with the world that is raging against Christ? The church of God's Son shall not tolerate the seduction of His Son. Oh God, we pray. We pray that we would be like the disciples who, when the crowds left the Lord Jesus because of what He said was hard. And He asked them, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, where would we go? You have the words of joy. God, make us people. Do not just believe your word, but know how good it is. May we not be found conspiring with the world against you. Give us faithfulness and your spirit to see the truth and to stand for Christ now that we might serve with you. Let's call this in Jesus' name.